Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. What is our greatest need? Beyond food, shelter, and clothing, what does mankind need more than anything? A preacher from yesteryear named Ogilvy sought to find that out. He surveyed thousands. One recurring, nagging need was the cure for disillusionment. People were disillusioned. What they believe should happen didn't. The justice they sought for wasn't found. The answer they looked for didn't come. The relationship they dreamed of didn't happen. And the feeling one has when what you've set your heart on doesn't come. It's the hope deferred, the Bible says, that makes the heart sick. That life isn't all that it's cracked up to be, that it's a sham. It's like Baum's fictitious tale of the Wizard of Oz. In the story, Dorothy's heart and gaze were set on the Emerald City. There she would find her answer. The wizard would tell her all. But when the curtain falls, she realizes... He's not what he purported to be. The facade cracks and the illusion goes up in smoke. There are a lot of people who suffer from that disenchantment with life, that disillusionment, especially now. They sense they grow ever farther from the reach of their hopes and dreams, so much so they believe the dream is dead and gone, never to come back. This is one of the greatest needs that we have the cure for disillusionment. When you meet people like this, I meet them all the time. They are the ones who will say things like, whatever, oh well, who cares anyway? They stare into space. They get lost in trivial pursuits and hobbies. They become experts at one game or another. They take precious moments, diamonds called seconds, minutes, and hours, and they throw them to the wind. These are the people they get fatalistic. They say nothing will ever change. They get pessimistic. To borrow an expression from the 1600s and Alexander Pope, disillusioned people look with a jaundiced eye at all their surroundings. And there's a heaviness, a sense of dread and drudgery. And they wonder, how could I have been such a fool to believe that things would or could be different? Yes, that's where we are today. I'm coming against this sense of disillusionment, and I'm saying that there is a faith that can overcome this. Hello, my name's Ken Gurley, and all this week on Daily Devotion, we're looking at faith to believe the impossible, and I believe there is a cure for disillusionment. Let's go to the father of faith, Abraham. Do you remember the moment when he prepared to offer Isaac his son on Mount Moriah? We talk about the faith of Abraham, but what does that really look like? It means laying down hopes and promises. It means sacrificing what we had planned. It looks like a dream that has been abandoned to die. It looks like letting go of the momentary, resigning ourselves to the present predicament, looking, though, with a steadfast gaze on the horizon. It's releasing all we believed would happen, could happen, should happen, into the hands of a faithful God. It's letting go and calling that worship. 
It's letting our tears flow and calling that praise. It's collapsing in the ashes of what might have been and saying, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't understand or even pretend to understand where this path is taking me. But God, I trust you. I trust your heart. I trust your hand. I trust your purpose for my life. Lead me through it. What motivated Abraham? We call it faith. Hebrews eleven nineteen has one of the most breathtaking descriptions of that faith. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, Abraham was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him. And this after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Here we go. Get this. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise Isaac from the dead. In a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back alive from the altar. This is the reasoning of faith. God, you gave me Isaac. You promised my lineage, my posterity as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky would flow through Isaac. So I lay my Isaac down on this altar. I lay him down. I let him go. I release him to you. Because, Lord, I reason, if you want this promise to live, if you want my dream to survive, if you want my hope to triumph, you will let it happen. You will make it happen. I may be disillusioned, but God, you can break that spell. You can bring life back, hope back. You can bring my Isaac back. In other words, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Nothing is impossible. Let me repeat that. Nothing is impossible to them that believe. Imagine how John must have felt. The apostles were being martyred left and right. He would be the last surviving apostle of the original 12, we believe. Of the three closest apostles to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, James was killed first by Herod. Then Simon Peter was killed by Caesar. John was left. His life wasn't easy, banished to Patmos, a deserted isle, socially distant, all alone. He could have easily felt disillusioned, abandoned, heartsick. But heaven arrived. In the Spirit on the Lord's day, God invaded John's lonely world. And overlaid on his despair was a kingdom that was coming down. Another world pressing into his world. Glory washed across that deserted isle. And John saw through the portals into eternity. Can I just stop here a moment and just say, we like to talk about John being caught away into heaven, but remember this, it was not until Revelation 4 that we read John was invited to come up here. Revelation 1 was not John going to heaven, it was heaven coming down to John. We are taught to pray, thy kingdom come, and that's exactly what happened on Patmos. John said, I heard a voice from behind me. Heaven snuck up on John. Heaven surprised this last apostle. Heaven said, it may look like it's over, but it's not over. 
the voice said, I need you to write a message to seven churches. What was that voice John heard? Look at it more closely. John said, I turned around and saw the voice. That's an interesting expression. I turned and saw the voice, the walking voice that appeared to Adam and Eve in paradise. John was privileged to see the voice, the word of God, and he recognized him, yet he didn't recognize him. For now his robe reached to his feet, a golden sash fell across his chest. His hair was white, his eyes as blazing fire, his feet like bronze glowing in a furnace, his voice like the sound of rushing waters, his face like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And John collapses at the feet he knew so well. And Jesus placed his right hand on John. He placed a glorified nail-scarred hand on John. He put his hand of power on this disillusioned, lonely man. You remember what was said of the Lord? He has engraved us on the palms of his hands. He will never forget us. It's as if Jesus is saying, I've not forgotten you, John. I've not forgotten the dreams, the hopes, the plans. I've come to you. It was Lord John Ogilvie's thought, for each and every human need, there is an I am statement of Jesus Christ, 22 of them in the Gospels. But here we move beyond the Gospels. We move into Revelation. We move into our day. Jesus utters three I am statements in quick succession. In two verses, 17 and 18, he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever. I hold the keys of death and hell. To this disillusioned man on Patmos comes a touch from heaven's hand and words of assurance. Do not be afraid. I'm the first, I'm the last, the alpha, the omega, the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forevermore. We don't know when God is going to close the drapes on the history of this world, but we should know some 2,000 years after Patmos that Jesus is still alive forevermore, and he knows where we are. He finds us in our Patmos. He finds us in our disillusionment. You say, that's impossible. I say, no, that's God. One more thing. Jesus said, I hold the keys of death and hell. Whatever you think is impossible, it isn't. The I am that I am, the God who is the one who makes things happen. He's still in control. Why do you think it's repeated again and again that nothing is impossible with God? You find it in Matthew 19 with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Philippians 4, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Luke 1, nothing will be impossible with God. Mark 9, all things are possible to him who believes. Let me give you what the Bible calls a nail in a sure place. Mark 10. With man, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. We have the promise that if we have faith as a mustard seed, that a mountain can move, that nothing will be impossible to them that believes. This is our God, the God who makes things happen in our lives, 
the God who reveals himself as the solution to our problems and the answer to our great need of disillusionment. In Isaiah 46, we read that he declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all with my good pleasure. God asked in Genesis 18, is there anything too difficult for me? In Jeremiah 32, we find the answer, nothing is too difficult for God. And to you and me are given keys to kingdoms. We are given power to unlock doors, to open, to bind, to loose, to declare the impossible possible, to declare the improbable probable, to call those things to life that are not. And we do that with the authority of the one who makes things happen. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and him who gave himself for us. In all these things, we conquer. In all these things, we are victorious. In all these things, we are triumphant. What false perception of reality do you and I face? What barren rockiness of despair or disillusionment are you looking at? I sense heaven approaching our Patmos. I see the hand of heaven laid on our shoulders saying, don't be afraid, I'm still alive. What I promise you, I can still make happen. And don't you ever forget, that nothing is impossible. So long as you believe, I can make it happen in your life. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.